I was angry. I was still a very young Christian, but for me, this was personal. And I had it out with Bill, my campus minister, who uh, had always been so faithful to me and loved me well and led me well. And uh, it's not that anybody had done anything intentionally to hurt me, but I was angry. I was angry because our campus ministry's large group was switching from Thursday night, or sorry, from Friday night to Thursday night. And the logic was that it would be easier to reach people who aren't walking with Jesus if we weren't trying to do it on Friday night when they're all out at Rugby Road partying in all the frat houses. Um, you know, they're more likely to come to a group on a Thursday. But for me, I was an awkward, insecure, new Christian who didn't know whether I even fit in. I felt like I was the odd man out. I was the freak show, and half of them knew it. And, and I was afraid that I would be sitting at home alone on Friday night for the rest of my life. It's the thoughts of a 20-year-old college student who's insecure, and I was angry. It was angry because they hadn't done anything to consider my needs relationally as this awkward young Christian who didn't have many friends. My, my needs weren't even taken into consideration. Have you ever been so angry at something or at someone while at the same time you kind of knew, though you couldn't admit that you had no business being angry about it? You know what it's like when you're angry and you know you shouldn't be angry, but you're still livid, and, 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 and yet then you start to feel ashamed over the fact that you're angry, which only makes you angrier because this other person made you angry and then made you feel bad about being angry. And so you can just spiral into this like death scroll down into livid rage and shame. In our text today, we're going to be reading a story of an Israelite prophet, a mouthpiece of God who is angry. His name was Jonah. And we're also going to read about the God at whom Jonah's anger and rage was directed. And we're going to ask the question, how does God respond to us in our anger? Uh, this morning, I'm, I'm borrowing the notes of intern Alex DeCruz. He had planned to preach this morning, but he got sick at the last minute. And so he did the 20 hours of hard work, so I get to do the 20 minutes of fun work. He did the 20 hours of work that nobody sees and nobody ever acknowledges or thanks you for, so I get to do the 20 minutes of stuff that you're all going to come up to me afterwards and say, that's a great sermon. Well, tell Alex, good job. Um, this is Jonah 4. Just tell him he could have done better on the delivery. No, no, don't, that, that's a critical way. You want to say it, and next time I'd like to see you even do more work on your delivery. <laughs> Keep it positive. This is Jonah chapter 4. This is the word of God. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, we read, that God had had compassion on the people of Nineveh whom he despised. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord. And he said, oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, to get away from you. Therefore, now, oh, Lord, I said, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city 
and he sat to the east of the city and he made a, a booth for himself there and he sat under it in the shade until he should see what would become of the city. And now the Lord God appointed a plant and came and it made it to, to come up over, no, over Jonah so that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? What do we see here? First, we see that Jonah is angry, and he's angry because God is compassionate. It's not unreasonable if you understand the setting. The Assyrians were, of which Nineveh was the capital city, the Assyrian Empire was notoriously cruel. Uh, we know from 2 Kings that Jonah was an Israelite prophet, northern kingdom during the reign of King Jeroboam II. And this was a time when the Assyrian Empire was growing in its power and growing in its cruelty. They were despised for their treatment of their enemies. They would take entire peoples and relocate them uh, thousands of miles away to places where they might starve, where they'd have to start all over, where they would lose their national identity. Uh, and so when God called, you know, Jonah to go to the Assyrian city of, of Nineveh to, to preach to them and warn them of their sin, he did just the opposite. He, he was afraid that they might repent and God might have mercy on them, and he did not want that to happen. He wanted justice. He wanted punishment. These were evil people who denied God, who, who practiced horrible sacrifices and idolatrous worship, and who subjugated other peoples, and who were threatening Israel itself, the very people of God, to blot them out of existence. He wanted justice. He wanted punishment. He didn't want mercy. And so what Jonah did is instead of going to Nineveh, he got on a boat to Tarshish. That might be Spain. In other words, God's saying, go east to Iraq. And he's saying, I'm going west to the Spanish Riviera. It's going to be, you know, we're going to go see Sevilla. It doesn't exist yet, but... Um, you get the idea. He's just doing exactly the opposite of what God wants. And yet God, through the ministrations of a large fish, we don't really know the details, ended up getting him back on track and getting him back to Nineveh. He finally did it, and he called out to them, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He then heads out to the city, builds a little thing to watch, even though God had told him you know, what he was going to do. But he goes out, he's, he's counting down, he's looking at his watch, counting down the minutes till 40 days is up and God judges the hated Ninevites. God judges the empire of the Assyrians. And then something unexpected happened. The king of Assyria and all the people repented and turned from their evil ways. And because of that, 
God then chose not to destroy the city. And after this, we end up right here where we are in chapter 4. And we see that Jonah is angry. He's angry that God didn't respond the way he wanted him to respond. He wanted justice. God gave mercy and compassion to his enemies. And God's compassion in Nineveh, we read it, displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. could also be translated, it was exceedingly evil to Jonah what God had done. And in Jonah's heart and mind, God sinned. God did something horrible. God gave compassion to the monsters who were destroying creation. And that should sound familiar to everyone in this room at some point. Because like Jonah, we can find ourselves angry at God, um, angry for him not acting the way we want him to act, um, just as we find ourselves angry with other people. Uh, there are lots of things which rightly should make us angry in this sinful, fallen, unjust world. But, but here we're going to see that Jonah's anger is misplaced in how God responds. Jonah should not have been surprised. He knew as a Jew the character of God is revealed in the Hebrew Scriptures or Old Testament. This is why he, he tells God why he's angry. He tells God why he went to Spain instead of going to Nineveh. He said, I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful. That's your sin, God. You're merciful. And you're gracious, you're compassionate. He said, I knew that you were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. In other words, God, your problem is that you're too compassionate toward the wrong people, the wrong sinners who, just because they repent, you should smack them down instead of showing them compassion. And this, this description he uses, a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That was, that was elevated within Israel to the creedal status as, as being from the Old Testament when God had shown himself to Moses atop Mount Sinai, revealing himself in, in his glory. God had said that, that he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And this merciful, compassionate character God shows to the Ninevites when they repent. He was gracious and merciful to a people who had repented. He did not rage against them, but was slow to anger. He steadfast love he showed to them for choosing to turn away. He relented from bringing them disaster. And Jonah knew that the Jews had been chosen from the beginning, from Abraham's day, to, to, to be a blessing to the nations. Their purpose wasn't just to be God's people themselves, but to be God's people for everybody else's sake, so that they too could know the Lord. It was that way from the earliest. And, and, but rather than relishing these qualities of God, Jonah is angry about it. He's angry at God's compassion. He has twisted God's character to be exceedingly evil, a thing that is to be despised rather than something beautiful. And for Jonah, God's compassion toward the Ninevites, it was just, it was just wrong. And so he prays, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. It is better to die than to live. But he prays this twice. Jonah would rather die than turn from his anger. His anger has become his cage. His anger has become his prison. His anger has been the bear trap clapped across his torso, keeping him from having any freedom. He is enraged and is willing to die in his rage. So how does God respond to Jonah's anger? How does he respond to our anger? See, we see that Jonah is... Is angry at God's compassion, but how does God respond? We see here how God responds to our anger. 
First, we see that God asks us to examine our hearts. Did you notice the question that God asks? The, the very penetrating question God asks, do you do well to be angry? Is this healthy? Is this good? Is this righteous? Is this liberating? Is this bringing you more in touch with your true humanity as an image bearer of God? Do you do well to be angry? God asks this twice for emphasis. And then he asks, have you any right to be angry? God doesn't lead with a command, Jonah, stop being angry. He doesn't lead with an explanation of why Jonah shouldn't be angry, you know, invalidating his emotions. He could totally do that because his emotions were invalid, but he doesn't do that. Instead, God asks a convicting question that puts the ball in Jonah's court. Do you do well by this? Do you even have a right to be angry at the repentant people of Nineveh when you're sitting there boiling in your rage at me, your God? They're more righteous than you are, Jonah. Do you have any right to be angry? He asks us to examine our hearts. I remember back at walking across the campus of the University of Virginia talking to Bill in college about this situation with changing the dates uh, that the large group met in our college ministry. I remember sharing just how angry I was, how, how I felt like my needs weren't cared for. I explained everything about why I was so upset because of what this would do because my Friday night social calendar was hanging out with my brothers and sisters in Jesus and now I was going to be sitting alone at home. And Bill, he didn't lecture me about why my feelings were invalid, even though they may have been. He didn't tell me to stop being angry as if I could have just switched that off like a light switch. It's not an app, it can't just be deleted. Um, instead, he asked me a question. He asked me to examine my heart, as God does. My campus minister looked at me, he was so compassionate, he was so kind, he said, Greg, I just wonder if you're able to think about someone other than yourself, about the lost college student who's drunk on Rugby Road all Friday night, who does the walk of shame Saturday morning, regretting everything that they did the night before, and then turns around and does it again, and how we might be able to reach them by doing this. Have you thought about the the weak Christian who's not really walking with God, who needs Christians to pull them into communities so that they can reconnect with God and to the church. And have you considered, Greg, how it would be more in line with the heart of Jesus to do this? And we may get this wrong, Greg, but I'm just wondering, have you thought through the heart of Jesus for people who are even more lost than you were just a year or two ago. It was a penetrating question. And it helped me realize that on one level, I was being angry at Bill and the campus ministry staff because they were compassionate, because their heart was in line with the heart of Jesus for the lost, to bring them to himself, that they might know his grace and be free from their bondage. Like me back then, Jonah was lashing out in anger 
He knew the truth of God's character and actions, but the truth made him angry because it, he didn't want abusive people to receive compassion, even if they did repent. He, his own need for justice outweighed that and caused him to resent God and his compassion for the repentant. Like Bill did to me, God responds to our anger by asking us to examine our hearts. Do you do well to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry about this? So he asks us the penetrating question, but God also gives us compassion when maybe what we'd rather have is confession. You know, often when people get angry, if somebody's angry at you, what they want is for you to come and say, I am so sorry I breathed and that I exist. Will you please ask my forgiveness? And if you're a people pleaser, you might actually do that. You need to stop. Stop. Damn. Uh, yeah, but um, what we want, or what they want from us is for us to give confession. I'm so sorry. It's my fault. Won't happen again. When maybe it's really their issue, and what they need is not confession, but what they need is just compassion, because they're angry. There's stuff going on inside of them. Maybe God's doing something inside of them, but what they need right now is just compassion, not confession. And that's what Jonah is receive, receives from God. Jonah is wanting God to come to him and say, Oh, Jonah, I'm so sorry I had compassion on the Ninevites. You're right. I, the Lord God Almighty, creator of earth and heaven, am wrong. I'm so sorry. I'll go kill all them now for you. That's what he wants. There's nothing that will make Jonah happy other than that. He wants his pound, his ton of flesh. Because these were horrible people who had done horrible things, and now they're saying, oh, we repent. And he's like, no, smack them down. Uh, but, but God doesn't do that. God's not going to do that. Instead of a confession, God gives him compassion. You see, Jonah had actually gone out of the city. God told him, I'm blessing these people. I forgive them. And so Jonah was so livid, he went outside of the city. He created a little hut to sit in, and he sat there and watched the city. He's going to sit here and watch for 40 days and nights, waiting to see if God actually repents and, and, and comes to him and confesses his sin and then goes and destroys the city and all the people and 120,000 people plus the cattle. Uh, because he's hoping that God will change his mind, that God will repent, that God will confess his sin, and, and instead what God does is he gives him compassion. Jonah is sitting down in the heat, and God creates this, this plant that comes and grows very rapidly and sheds leaves over him to provide him, him shade. It's an act of compassion. You know, earlier in Jonah's story, the same verb that's, that's translated that God appointed this plant is used to describe God appointing the fish to swallow Jonah and a, a, appointing this as, as if it's a missionary from God. And God now appoints this plant to deliver Noah from, we read, his discomfort. Uh, and that we can hear that as physical discomfort because the, the sun's bearing down on us. But, but the same term is also translated earlier in verse 1 when, when, Jonah's, when God's actions displeased Jonah exceedingly. So it's, it's not just his physical comfort that he's comforting him in, but his, his spiritual displeasure, his, his disappointment with God. God is ministering to Jonah, providing him shade in order to minister to his own rage against God, his own displeasure with God, uh, to comfort him in his anger. And, you know, maybe there's been a time in your life when, when somebody tangibly cared for you and comforted you when you were upset, when you were sad, when you were angry, when you were disappointed. 
Uh, maybe it was somebody that you were even lashing out at, and yet they still came and gave you compassion. Maybe it was a parent who, who knew you were wrong and knew you had no right to be angry and knew that you weren't doing well being angry, but still picked you up and carried you as you were screaming and crying and fussing and fuming, carrying you as a child much loved. Every parent should know that. Every child should know that. You're not going to go to your mom or your dad angry and upset with them and have them, you know, say, I divorce you, you're no longer my child, and lock the door as you're outside screaming, trying to get in. If they did that to you, I'm so sorry, that's abuse. Um, but no healthy parent is going to do that. God is our, our father. Um, do they know that you're grateful that they gave you not confession, but compassion? That they didn't say, Yes, Timmy, you're right. You should get 14 Kit Kat bars right now in the Walgreens aisle. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? But instead they said, no, we can't have that. Dinner's in 20 minutes. But I love you. You're my kid. And maybe next time. You know, they gave you compassion instead of a confession. Um, if you're fixated on justice, you might lash back out at somebody who's angry with you. Uh, because there are times when people are angry with us, not because of anything we did intentionally, not even because of something we did unintentionally, but they just maybe they don't like us. They don't like the way we do stuff, and they get frustrated, they get angry with us. And, and, and if you're fixated only on justice, then you're going to lash back out at them. You're going to respond eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, a cut down with a cut down, and don't do it. Because anger is a cage, and it will enslave you just like it had enslaved Jonah, and it will pull you away from God just like it pulled him away from God, and it will make you miss the heart of God, of his compassion for sinners who repent. What you need is compassion. What they need is compassion, not confession. So how does God respond to us in our anger? We've seen that God asks us to examine our hearts and that he gives us comfort instead of confession, but even if we don't deserve it. So how is that possible? It's possible because God also loves angry people like us. Notice that this story has no resolution at all. Jonah is still angry at the end. His last words are, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. I mean, he is in full-blown toddler temper tantrum mode with God right now because uh, God's giving compassion to the wrong people. And Jonah's still in his cage, and we like stories that end with everybody living happily ever after and everything good. We like stories where the narrative arc comes to a, a resolution where it all ends up tied up with a big, pretty bow on top. And that's not what God gives us. That's not the world we live in. This side of glory, the bow waits for Jesus' return. And so it has no resolution. But that's not the point. The point here is that God has compassion for angry people like us. God goes to great lengths to help Jonah see that he is no different from the people of Nineveh. He, he takes away the grace he just gave. You know, he creates this big plant to, take, to, to provide shade to comfort him, and then he takes it away in discipline. He says, so you don't like my comfort? You don't like my, my compassion? Well, let's just withdraw this a little bit and see how you like it. It's, it's fatherly discipline, like when a parent brings consequences to bear because of what you've done that's wrong so that you can learn that you need God's grace, that you need to change, that you need to see things differently. Uh, you know, 
Jonah needs to see that he too is a sinner in need of grace and that he too needs to repent just like the Ninevites have already given him an example. God appointed a fish. God appointed a plant. Now God appoints a worm and a scorching east wind to make him physically miserable in the moment, left alone with nothing but God's willingness and readiness to take him back. God's saying, remember who I am. I'm compassionate and I can give and I can take away because I'm also just, but I love you and I'm going to discipline you so that you can see the cage in which you've enslaved yourself because until you see your cage, you will not hold my hand and let me lead you out of it. And here God reveals his larger purpose. He says, should I not pity? Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, this great city? 120,000 people made in my image plus their cattle. You're having compassion on a plant that you had nothing to do with. And, and here you're not having compassion on 120,000 people who have admitted that they were wrong. God's revealing here his bigger purpose. That his purpose isn't just to save Israel. His purpose is to save the earth, to save all the peoples of the earth. God has the heart of a missionary. God has the heart of one who only longs and desires that all would come into his kingdom and know his grace. And God doesn't turn away from and, and judge Jonah in his anger, but God stays there with him, giving him compassion, giving him discipline, giving whatever he needs that, so that he can examine his heart so that we can examine our hearts. And he comforts us in our, our anger. Even when we don't deserve it, he reveals his compassion for angry people like Jonah, angry people like us. His larger purpose here to, in our anger is that so we might turn from it as he comes to us in it and ministers to us in it. His larger purpose is the salvation of an angry human race to be free from the cage that had enslaved us. How is it possible? It's possible because of a God of compassion who loved the people of Nineveh and that this same God is the God who loves you in your anger and loves me in my anger and loved Jonah in his anger. It's possible because Jesus came into this world, experienced all of humanity's anger, let it crush him, yet did not sin, did not retaliate, but instead died for his angry enemies so that we might receive God's compassion and that we might let him lead us out of the cage of anger that enslaves us and into the arms of a father who loves us. Compassion has the power to change angry people. In the musical, based on the, the book by Victor Hugo, Les Miserables, the protagonist, Jean Valjean, has gotten out of prison labor at the dockyard. It was a sentence that really didn't fit the crime. He had only stolen a mouthful of of bread, but he, he wanders around a bit and eventually ends up being welcomed in by the bishop who shows him compassion, hospitality, welcome to an ex-con that no one else would take in. And one night when Valjean was staying in the bishop's house, he stole some of the bishop's silver and he escaped. He ran away with it. And the police eventually captured Valjean and they sent him back to the bishop as they caught him red-handed and they're expecting the bishop to, to then say, yes, that is the one. He stole my silver. And Valjean's expecting them to go back to prison, but the bishop instead shockingly says to Valjean with the police there, but my friend, you left so early. You forgot I also gave you these silver stand candlesticks. And he hands him the candlesticks and he blesses him saying, but remember this, my brother. See in this some higher plan 
you must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. Do you know the story? Valjean does live a changed life, turning from his anger and showing compassion to others in line with the compassionate heart of Jesus. It was the bishop's self-sacrificial compassion that changed Valjean. And the bishop learned that from Jesus, whose self-sacrificial compassion for angry people alone can free us from the cage of our anger and transform us into a people who are formed and shaped by the compassionate heart of God. Let's pray.